Hello to everyone tuning into the Highly Optimized Podcast today. My name is Ryan Sprague, and throughout this podcast, I will be showcasing individuals who are living a life beat to their own drum, sharing their stories, and revealing their valuable information for each one of you listeners on how you can effectively take life into your own control, what steps to take to create your own path, and how to maximize your results in manifesting your dreams in this reality. Hanging out with us today on the show is a man of many talents and insights. He is a graduate from Central Penn College, where he studied computer information technology, is a photography wizard, a lover of all things biohacking, and is affiliated with top-notch organizations in the space of health and wellness, such as PaleoFX, the Health Optimization Summit, and the Alliance of Conscious Entrepreneurs. Please help me in giving a very warm welcome to my man, Clayton Miller. What's up, Clay? Not too much, you. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, absolutely, man. Really stoked to get you on. And um, this podcast, man, has been pretty funny. Like, I wrote you out a full interview uh, way back for, I think it was like right after Mexico, and left uh, that notebook along with my journal, along with many other interviews on a plane somewhere. I don't know what happened to it. <laughs> it was gone. And now I know why, because it was so I could write an even cooler interview um, after we had met up in 4D the next couple times, which for everyone listening, Clay and I just left a dope retreat in Austin uh, with, uh, what, 18 other guys, including us, I'm pretty sure. Uh, it, was it, it was like 20 people all together. Yeah, believe, yeah, so. yeah. So 18, right? Like math. I, I feel like math worked out there. Yes. <laughs> And, uh, man, it was, it was, it was such an incredible time man. and, uh, just so grateful to have been able to share that moment with you or those moments with you. And, you know, I'm so excited. We're finally making this happen and are getting the opportunity to hang out and chat one-on-one and Clay, I'd love it if you could share your journey with us, specifically the process you've gone through in surrendering to the flow of life, stepping way outside of your comfort zone and stepping into the most authentic expression of you that you are today. Because I know you've had a radical transformation the past year or two uh, that we've talked about at length. So I'd love to hear that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it started probably back when the catalyst was when my uncle died in a plane crash and uh, he had so many people from all over the world at his funeral, and I was pretty much just uh, going with the flow of life of not really doing much in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania, of just going to work and going to gym and coming home, having no actual like connection with people around me and being disconnected from who I was and anything that was passionate to me. I had no idea what that was. Mm. And so... I went on that journey of seeing who I was and led me to Austin, Texas, where I started learning from everyone from like on it and the entrepreneur society here. And right after I got to Austin, I met Mike Bledsoe and Mark England at a kettlebell certification. So Mark was one of the first people that sat me down and helped goal set for me and really loved my story and where I was coming from and the bravery it took to just uh, up and leave my job and everything where I was from because I had no purpose of uh, beyond just wanting to find myself coming to Austin. I knew no one, knew nothing. Uh, and so that's really that was cool. the beginning of it. That's awesome, man. And, you know, the amount of uh, individuals who have had their life like shaken by Mark England, uh, I'm one of them too. So we share that in common. Uh, and actually, it was really cool. That's where we first met uh, was Mark England's house back in, what was that, August or something? 
You know, I'm curious, uh, listening to that, you know, uh, explanation and that journey, what were like the top emotions coming up as you made that move from Pennsylvania down to Austin? I was somewhat terrified to say the least I'd say. I mean, if I was honest with myself, I was pretty disconnected from my emotions in general. I mean, I knew a little bit of anger and everything I was had context for back then was pretty much uh, pain. Pain was my closest friend and kind of how I saw pleasure, I guess you could say. I mean, mm. I put myself in the ground. I uh, would go to on at like 8 a.m. in the morning and leave at like 8 p.m. sometimes and doing tons of workouts, learning as much as I could. And yeah, uh, that's kind of how I got into even more biohacking type stuff because I had great revelations and about food when I read like Omnurse Dilemma and Wild Diet from Abel James and Omnurse Dilemma is by Michael Pollan. That was a great thing. And then when I was being myself in the ground, I was looking for any other way to help with inflammation and everything else. So it was sauna and red light therapy and fascial stretching and joint mobility and FRC, functional range conditioning, mm. and I, like anything I could find, CBD, and just going down that rabbit hole, which then led me to find and connect with even more people in health and wellness space here in uh, Austin. So. Mm, that's so cool man and you know you and i have shared many conversations on our mutual love for biohacking and all of those tools that can help aid recovery um you know i have that exact same tendency uh to put myself in like challenges and uh quote unquote pain especially back when i look at like the last year of my life you know, really becoming aware of that and becoming conscious of when that was serving me and also when it wasn't serving me, which uh, I found out was most of the time. (laughs) Uh, Most of the time I was running on an empty gas tank. My ego was running the show and, you know, trying to keep me safe in looking the part, you know, um, doing all the things that come along with being someone that works in the health field. And uh, yeah, it's a quick recipe for burnout, you know, and I'm, I'm imagining that, you know, you probably had some of those symptoms yourself, you know, uh, going on it 12 hours a day. I'm sure there were some things screaming at you after a while, which is exactly why I sought out all these different modalities, because I was like, well, screw that. I'm just going to hide those signals. I mean, this was all unconscious, but I'm going to hide those signals and be able to train more, you know. And uh, so I'm curious, did you have a lot of that going on, too? Yeah, I mean, again, like I tried to all brush it under a rug and not really notice it that much. And I was like, I'm not going to let uh, like an injury or something like stop me pretty much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would rip up my feet a couple of times because I would work out barefoot and they had grippy floors. <laughs> my like left shin and ankle and knee were always really inflamed and jacked up and uh, doing like plyo stuff could be hard sometimes because it'd be just in like, throbbing and stuff and mm. there is different things like that definitely that i noticed like also when i first came to austin like i was so guarded and in myself mm-hmm. and not receptive to, i mean i was a receptive but i was so afraid to be let anyone in that i literally grew at least a half an inch when i started to really open up and let, like talk to people and share my a story and let people in more i grew a lot more quite mm. literally yeah. <laughs> and so yeah i had all that stuff and i mean uh, then backing off 
what was the biggest change for flexibility and mobility and stuff like that. I was like, holy shit, uh, my range is so much better now and I can do so much more when I'm not putting myself into the ground. And that came with like starting ballet and redefining my relationships and my body and stuff. And then there's a whole other chapter after that. I mean, what I shared was pretty much like the first year. Mm-hmm. And then after starting working at paleo effects and stuff, it uh, is a completely different story again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And like what I'm reminded of when you speak of that is like uh what mark always says there's levels to this shit you know and uh put it take out shit and put us you know there's levels to us you know uh then you could even further translate that to there's levels to me you know um and so like it's interesting because you and i have shared a lot of that same journey from going from extremely yang focused like no pain no gain type mentality because you know, and I imagine um, I can speak for you on this too. Like my goal was just, I'm going to get where I'm going and I don't care like what's in my way. It's not going to stop me, you know? And so (laughs) it was based on a good intention underneath it all. It was just like, you know, uh, it was just a recipe for burnout, you know? And so there came a point where through mentors and teachers and, um, you know, just insights, uh, downloads, if you will, I became aware of the fact that like, you know, Like, uh, I get what I'm trying to do here and like, I'm really thankful for like, uh, the part of me that wants me to do it this way. And like, I kind of want to love myself (laughs) at the same time, take out the kind of, you know? (laughs) And, and so, uh, I'm curious, you know, like what was the, what was the process like of you like devolving that need to always be go, go, going, especially with regards to the gym. Were there any specific teachers that you met or came in contact with that helped you during that transition? Well, me and you both share like a mentor. I haven't been around them that much, but one of the times I figured out I was so disintegrated from my left and right side was when I did some workshops with Paul Chack mm. and he was telling me all these insights by watching me walk in my gates and talking to me a little bit. He, that's when like, I started trying to do, not trying to do, I uh, <laughs> was doing uh, dance um, and uh, to try and uh, learn more of a balance in my body and so it wasn't fighting each other uh, mm. on all fronts and stuff so yeah yeah, that was one thing and really i mean i was meeting like tom cole witty uh uh cic of x event here in austin which is a conscious entrepreneur event type thing Mm. too of really delving into constructs and beliefs and stories and things like that so that's cool man yeah and you know Something that I've I, I really admire about you, Clay, is like your like how do I even call it? Your calling to just really dive in and and try things that are much more outside of the box than the normal paradigm, especially for men, right? Like uh, mm-hmm. Ben has has done ballet too, right? And you talk about like one of the fittest, most like secure dudes I've ever met in my life in terms of like being able to um, have control of his body. It's Ben and you're the exact same way. And so I'm curious, like what were some of your biggest insights you got in you know, trying things like ballet, because I really feel like, like me as a male, I'm called to things like that as well, because I truly feel that 
a lot of the things that are designated for quote unquote men. And of course, this paradigm is shifting. Um, and at the same time, it's still pretty much there, like the classic bodybuilding stuff. Um, for me, speaking for myself, it actually, those things got me more outside of my body. Um, and getting more in and more yin into my life, um, dance has been huge. And so I'm really curious to hear what ballet did for you. Yeah, I mean, I tried yoga and I still love doing yoga things. And whenever I'm doing yoga, it's more of a kind of competition with myself to hold positions and do things. And I'm never completely in my body, you could say, doing yoga. I've never found that like mindfulness per se. Mm -hmm. And that was also, I mean, I can might be able to do it more so now, but that was because I wasn't connected to it and also had inflammation and different things. But mm. with ballet, I actually found this meditation of being, not getting in my head too much. And mm. I mean, the most one of the most terrifying things was sitting outside the class and thinking, what the hell am I doing here? But then when I actually got into the class, I didn't let myself think about it. I just let myself be. Mm-hmm. And I got outside my head and just uh, pretty much did what I was watching and mimicking kind of. Because if you think about it too much, you're going to mess up all the counts and be completely off of it. And you're going to look even more like a fool, you could say. I mean, what you're yeah. trying to not do, you're going to do even more <laughs> if you think about it. Yeah. And like, uh, yeah, it's just really meditative and letting me uh, do things and just yeah, uh, not focus on what I'm doing right then, just letting it flow. Mm. So getting more in touch with that kind of more feminine side of the flow. Mm. And yeah. I love that, man. And, you know, you really just articulated something that I feel is a huge uh, challenge in the world of men specifically, just because, you know, we're built to be more in our head, you know, uh, and raised that way. And so like, you know, one of the things I've noticed as I brought more feminine energy into my life and allowed myself to flow more is my ability to create and, uh, to be creative has gone through the roof. Right. And that's something that, I've always loved playing music and creating music. And then over the years, when I started to pile on these stories of who I needed to be and as a man and all this stuff, that creativity uh, was subsided. And uh, I had no idea why. And then as I started integrating this more feminine stuff into my life, um, Rachel's been a huge help in that too. (laughs) As they said at the men's retreat, you know, women tear structure down. And then sometimes it's like, dude, that structure wasn't built on a good foundation. It needed to come down. And uh, that was definitely the case for me. And so I'm curious, you know, as someone who is super creative, you know, uh, that's one of the things I noticed right off the bat with you is just how much creativity you have within you. Where did that creativity start? Like, where, was that always in you or did it come to you over time? I'd say it was always there uh, and it got stifled some and I had to figure out how to bring it back to life. When, when I was a kid, I was pretty much by myself all the time. And so I'd uh, like lay on the couch and create worlds in my head and do all sorts of random stuff of I mean, I lived in the middle of nowhere, uh, as I said, out in the wilderness. And so I just envision things and create these worlds and play with soldiers and everything else and make battles. And uh, I mean, 
I was pretty much always creative and uh, always glad to be by myself and do things of that nature. And then slowly it got knocked out of me and stuff. So mm-hmm. then it was a journey to find it again, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, man. And I, you know, it's, it's really interesting, especially with this year coming around because people have had a lot more time than they usually have. Uh, and that's brought up a lot. I know for me and I can imagine for you and, you know, I know for most of the people we, uh, frequently hang out with, we've all said the same thing that it's really showed us a lot this year. And one of the things I hear from people the most when I'm working with clients, um, they're articulating that they want to be more creative, right? They're like, oh, I'm not creative. You know, and I hear that a lot. I'm not creative, you know? And, you know, one of the things that I'm curious is what your viewpoint on is on that answer, you know, like, oh, I'm not creative, you know, um, because I truly believe that creativity has kind of been uh, packaged to us as if like, oh, if you don't create music or paint, you're not creative, Right. And at the same time, we know that everything that you consciously choose to do and you put an intention towards is you creating something. And so I'm curious, like what you might say to someone who's like, Clay, I'm not creative, man. I can't do anything creative. You know, like what would be your answer there? Honestly, I don't know if I consider myself super creative in general, but yeah, I mean, a lot of people see me as a kind of systems person integrator and I can be very analytical and it's just finding something that gets you out of your head and uh, not so much uh, up there. I mean, when you're in your head, you can just spin and spin and spin and you overthink everything of how to be creative and being creative just starts with doing something you're passionate and love to do and then letting whatever that is to flow. I mean, well, that's with my creative really kind of started with working out and finding movement and letting my body just move however it wanted to. And from there, when you get out of your own way, you can start creating all these things that you never imagined. And so, Mm. I mean, also like microdosing and things like that can help (laughs) create creativity too. Yeah. Dude, those have been some of my, um, most creative uh, uh, tools that I've used are psychedelics, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. you and I, we go deep on this, you know, um, and I'm really glad you brought that up. Um, you know, this was something I wanted to talk to you about. And I'm like I said, I'm glad you brought it up. So, you know, plant teachers, right, and animal teachers, mm-hmm. too, have been having a resurgence of sorts as of late. You know, they're becoming a lot more popular, a lot more mainstream. I mean, Gwyneth Paltrow's got her own show now. Like, you know, when that happens, like when the soccer moms catch on, stuff's happening, right? So, you know, I'm curious, like, what has been your experience with plant medicines? What have they done for you? Um, You know, what's been your most uh, valuable insight or insights to date? And, um, you know, what do you think the future is for these medicines in terms of legality and things like that? I'd say they have a really bright future with, like, Oregon completely decriminalizing pretty much everything and mm. Oakland and different places. And I mean, yeah, I'd say it's pretty bright with maps. I've, I've met a lot of maps uh, therapists and things like I was talking to Dave Rabin yesterday, who was in the MDMA third phase trials and mm. stuff. And it's one of the psychotherapists that does it and has a Paul neuro. And, but um, some of the biggest insights of, 
uh, like the second time that I did Lachuma, I was outside and saying I didn't know how to feel and stuff like that, or really uh, looks like what is is all emotions and things like that. And I was we were talking and uh, we we're just like holding hands, I think, or something. He's like, "Do you feel this and stuff?" and just different things. And I was like, uh, yeah. And then we were talking about different feelings and sensations on the skin and everything and uh, kind of sensuality. And then it started to rain a little bit, like one drop and a couple drops and it started downpouring. And that was a magical time of seeing how powerful you can be to call in something like that when you're talking about a subject and then nature provides and, <laughs> and then um yeah there's things like that of creativity of uh being able to be in that space of dropping in with like mushrooms and uh seeing being able to kind of create worlds and uh all these shapes and different mm-hmm. things and navigate that uh, zone and stuff um then there's things of revelations of like pain and uh, uh, being disconnected from things and then the past traumas of as a kid and how they've related to me now and different constructs that like weren't completely mine that I was holding on to and uh, uh, how like you can take on other people's energies and things like sitting next to a person and within like a minute I was like yeah, I haven't felt nauseous all night, and yet right now I'm feeling nauseous. I'm going to st- step away from you, and as soon as you go, uh, well, as soon as I walked away, I felt normal again and stuff. So how powerful like energy is, because I don't know if I was, uh, I knew there is, I believed in other things, but when you are, when I'm faced with all those types of things uh, in that realm, it's hard to deny the existence of everything around you and energy and other things. I mean, uh, so yeah, feeling that and trusting my intuition more and leaning into that because I've always kind of leaned into it. I mean, I went to Austin without knowing anyone, but did I honestly like believe it was there or trust it completely? No, because I didn't trust myself. It has helped me learn how to actually trust myself and uh, trust others and be uh, intimate with people. I mean, intimacy is a big thing of not growing up in a really touchy-feely thing, family at all, and dad being abusive and my uncle being very masculine and pushing everything down. And if you showed any bit of femininity, that wasn't all right, pretty much. I mean, my uncle is my biggest role model of that, definitely. And then it was like I was saying, my disintegration of my left and right side, like uh, <laughs> when you can, uh, 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 with other things of, of being on the like third person view, uh, being uh, like a, myself and realizing like person I perceived as me and um, visualizing thing wasn't really the version of me that I see every day. It was this completely different person that I held in my heart pretty much and didn't let anybody see and protected from the world and how uh, and yeah, 
that had to do with my voice too, because I had these two different sides that were trying to say things at once. And so I would be talking really fast like this all the time. And sometimes my thoughts would be very disjointed. And so it helped me learn how to really slow down with my words and think them out of what I was trying, what I am trying to say and be more direct and not be so wishy-washy and have negations in my voice or in my speech as much. And yeah, thing yeah because i could go off on tangents of you might ask me one question and i would go way out here and then (laughs) i would eventually bring it back here most likely but all my thoughts would be swirling around like a vortex and i might be the only person that could follow the flow of my train of thoughts and with doing all this work I've been able to make a much more concrete version of what I'm trying to say, Mm. because if I tried to do this podcast with you probably even a year ago, first off, I probably will have been like, why would you want to hear from me? My point isn't valid. I have no, uh, like any confidence to be here and really put my point of view across and Mm. believe what I was saying. And I didn't trust myself and didn't believe in me. And so, I mean, that's probably one of the biggest things is having courage to believe in me, redefining who I am Mm. and letting me be authentic to who I am without having to put a facade on it all. That's, dude, that was beautifully said, you know, and I love that question. I've asked it a couple other times to people that I would call fellow psychonauts like yourself. And it's always, you know, it's always funny to me because People will start out by saying like, yeah, like I've gotten some valuable insights from them, you know, and then like they'll go on to say like, you know, I actually believe in myself now. I love myself and I trust myself. And it's like, whoa, like something that can do that is extremely powerful. And you talked about, you know, protecting energy. And I really resonated with that um, because what psychedelics have really helped me do is the exact same thing. I was a very cerebrally mind dominant guy, right? Like I think a lot of men are. And so tuning back into my body was a challenge, like a real big challenge. And, um, you know, psychedelics helped me with that exact same thing. Just, you know, say if I'm around someone and... I just don't feel a certain, like, I just kind of feel like a certain weird way. Um, the mind would normally ma- want me to go, listen, uh, that's not true unless you can explain it, you know? And what psychedelics help me do is just accept, like, you know, I just feel certain ways around certain people and certain people I want to be around more, certain people I don't. And I don't need to know why, you know, I just know it's true, you know, because I've felt it. And um, I loved what you said about nature coming through to give exactly what you need at the moment that you need it, because I've had that experience so many times before. And almost always when I'm in a state of, uh, you know, psychedelic medicine, you know, (laughs) where uh, where something happens where I'm like, wow, that's a really interesting synchronicity. So the rain example was really cool. And, um, you know, talking fast, man. I feel attacked. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, it's funny because I actually yesterday went back and listened to um, one of my first podcast episodes. And I have a buddy coming back on. So I wanted to go re-listen and, you know, just take down points and such. And it was like this wow moment because 
I had obviously, you know, going through and lifted, uh, hanging out with all the training camp people, you know, strong coach people. Like I had had lots of amazing people telling me like, Hey man, it's okay. You can slow down a little bit, you know? And to me at that point, I didn't realize what talking fast sounded like to everyone else. To me, it was like, I'm going to talk super fast. People are going to think I'm processing quickly. Like, you know, all these silly stories. And really it just sounded like someone that was terrified all the time. (laughs) And, uh, so. Uh, I really resonate with that, man. And, you know, one of the things I want to ask you is like, dude, isn't it so fun slowing down? Like, I've had so much fun slowing down. Have you had the same amount of fun slowing down? Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, I feel like I'm actually getting my point across and people. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess it's also I believe in myself a lot more. Mm. So what I'm saying resonates with people even more since I believe what I'm saying and I don't have to try and hurry up and get it out and think that it doesn't matter. That's why I'm speaking so fast. And Yeah. 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 And I know for me, a lot of it was like, um, am I going to remember this? You know, like I got to get it out fast. And one of the things I realized was the reason I was forgetting so much was because I was trying to cram a shit ton of stuff into a very small amount of mental real estate. It was almost like, uh, like there was a traffic jam in my head and my mind said, do you know what will help that? Let's throw a hundred more cars into that traffic jam and it will just figure itself out. And it was like, that never worked. Not once, uh, binary language acknowledged. And so, you know, that was one of the things that really just was a huge aha moment for me through psychedelics, you know, and, and really like one of the other things that psychedelics have helped me do is take messy action, you know, and, you know, many of our epic conversations that we've had together, Clay, have begun by me asking you how you learn to do something such as record and edit podcasts, to which you've replied, I just decided to start doing it and figured it out. <laughs> and that level of awareness around what you're curious about coupled with the ability to take action on learning new skills is something I'd love to dive into. And that's what I was saying has helped me a lot with psychedelics. Where or when did you adopt that ability? And what is the thought process you go into when getting ready to embark on picking something up for the first time? Like, are there limiting belief stories of like, what if I'm not awesome at this? Because I know for me, that's like something I had to work through was like those stories of like, if I can't be the best at it, what's even the point? So I'm curious what goes through your head when you're starting when you're thinking about starting something new? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if there really is much of a thought process in it because it's mostly like if I think too much, I'd psych myself out on it. And yeah, I mean, with a podcast, it was like a me- person that's like a mentor to me, and I wanted to do right by them. So I was like, sure, I'll try and figure it out. What's the worst that can happen? I don't have something to give them and stuff. I, I tell them that, yeah, I mean, that uh, I've like failing, you have to fail often and fail fast if you want to achieve anything sometimes. I mean, uh, you're never going to achieve anything if you're afraid of failure. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, yes, I've been afraid of plenty of things, but also I love trying new things and seeing where it can lead me. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, man, you know, it's so funny because like it really is true. Like what is the worst that could happen, you know, and I'm like, it's one of the things that I've, you know, dove into the most with myself and my own way of thinking because it's just interesting to watch, you know, once you 
once you can access that conscious awareness that is really you, right? Like you are the one that watches the mind talk, the heart feel, and the inner child want things, right? And so, um, you know, once I was able to reach that conscious awareness point through meditation, through breath work, um, through, you know, active meditation, et cetera, it became like really silly to me. Um, you know, I, I had a lot of compassion for myself and empathy um, because I realized how much pressure I had put on myself for years, um, needing to be the best at everything, you know. And so um, it's just funny when you finally realize, like, what is the worst that could happen? Like, I try something and I stink at it or like, I don't like it. Like, okay, cool. Like, I love what you said there. Fail often, fail fast. You know, Um, it's so true that really, like, from failures, we can learn so much. And so, you know, on that subject, I'm curious, you know, what has been your most valuable lesson that you remember uh, that you learned from failing at something? I mean, I wouldn't say you ever completely fail at anything because mm. you always take things away from it. So yeah. you're, you can't fail at failing since you're still learning. So mm-hmm. you succeeded in something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, being at like Aubrey Marcus's book, uh, he had a thing at a ma- small mastermind at the gym when he first launched it. And I remember being so terrified of asking a question and trying to think of a really smart question to ask and stuff. And then uh, like saying it and I was like, wow, I actually uh, asked the question that I thought up and stuff. And um, there's, like I said, ballet, I was completely terrified of that. And I wouldn't say I was probably all that great at it i mean uh, actually the teacher when i did the first one couldn't believe that was my first class because she said i uh like mimic people really well uh, <laughs> and different things i mean uh failing and uh, uh doing paleo effects i had no event experience at all and uh Mark Allen uh, talked to Michelle Norris and Keith some, and he's a big part of the reason why I got that job. Mm. And they were expecting me to sink and uh, in the waters, but I always <laughs> kept swimming and stuff. I mean, it'd be easy to fail, and I didn't and stuff. You just see where you might have misstepped, and then you course correct. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, there's lots of things that kind of might not work right. The, way you expect it to but you just adapt into it i mean that's been probably my biggest strength of anything is being able to adapt to new circumstances you're like well that didn't go out exactly how i thought it was going to so that's change it just a little bit and stuff and like my biggest experience of burnout was trying to do paleo effects and then being really involved with the health optimization summit in london and so they're also about six hours ahead. Yeah, ahead. Uh, so I'd be waking up with a ton of messages and <laughs> on my phone and everything. And then like working out and then going to uh, like over to their house and working with them and then going home and doing more stuff for people in London and stuff and then doing that. And I mean, I'd say that's probably kind of a failing of the fact that I worked myself so hard that I was on a meeting with them and instantly had to run to the bathroom and started throwing up because and my body was just at its wit's end and I couldn't do anything for like 
uh, it probably went on a little bit for like a month of just being myself into a ground of like 80 plus hours of doing things and not giving myself any time. I learned, yeah, that's not very sustainable. And that's <laughs> not working out for me. I can't do half as much as I was doing for everyone. So, yeah. Yeah. Like, man, I'm really glad you brought that up because uh, this podcast gets listened to by a lot of go-getter entrepreneurs, right? Like just like you and I that are going out there that are getting it. And uh, I can imagine for everyone listening that uh, <laughs> that you all feel attacked right now too. Like, holy shit, I've been there, right? And, you know, I feel like it's a little bit of the entrepreneurial disease, right? Uh, we go out like on defense mode, like speaking for myself, I went into this world on defense. Like I'm going to work harder than I've ever worked before. I'm just going to crush hours. I'm going to try to do four different things. Um, and it will figure itself out. And really what figured itself out was my body being exhausted and depleted, just like, uh, just like you figured out. And Mm -hmm. so it's funny because, um, you know, the body will really give us a lot of signals, um, to let us know we're doing things if we're not listening. Right. And, and so like, I'm curious, like what the process was of you figuring out those signals and what they meant. I mean, of course, when you run to the bathroom puking, it's kind of hard to ignore, you know, (laughs) but I'm curious, you know, knowing that you were not in tune with your body when you first like decided to move to Austin. And then over time, like you overtrained, you do these different things, which again would look like, um, you know, like, uh, challenges or whatever, but really those are the places you were able to learn a lot of lessons, what was the point where I'd say that you were confident in being able to uh, feel through things and know where your mind, body, and spirit were at collectively? Probably uh, as always developing things. I mean, uh, uh, it's just being uh, trusting things and you don't have to have a reason behind it. Mm. I mean, one of my friends, she knows like if she gets a pain in her like shoulder right here that it was uh, like me into like financial and different things. And I wouldn't say I've gotten to gotten to that level of mastery of my body of knowing every signal, but it's just things of knowing yeah, I should back off of this or it's probably this one, or I'm taking on something else that I shouldn't be. And it's just trusting yourself and having an open conversation, asking your body what it needs and what it wants to tell you and yeah, like looking at yourself in the mirror and having conversations, seeing where incongruencies are going on and different things and where, where it's moving into this or that. And, yeah, and it's being honest with yourself because a lot of people, I mean, think they're honest to them with themselves, but they're honestly lying and just covering things up. And so yeah, it's learning to be, completely honest with myself and where I'm at at that any particular moment and checking in, does this feel right or not? Do I resonate with this or not? Is it a yes or a complete no? It's yeah. yeah. You know, what you really like said amazing there was the value of communication, right? And a lot of times we think of communication as something we do with another person, but something I've found so valuable, especially over the last year when I've really redlined it a lot and learned a lot from those lessons, um, is the value of self-communication, you know, communicating with yourself, like what your wants and needs are, your desires, your boundaries, right? Like 
that's been something really challenging for me is actually writing out uh because again you know as marking always says what are these our magic wands you know our pens and so actually writing out like uh you know the things that my ego is really challenged from right like you know what this i think what's actually working better for me right now is working 40 hours a week instead of 80 right like that was uh (laughs) you know i'm sure for you like regardless of how you had to communicate that whether it was writing it down or saying or whatever coming to the conclusion that you were only going to work a certain amount of time which was going to give you more time to yourself I imagine for you that was pretty challenging too because you were a go-getter, you know. I've I've been around you plenty to know that. And uh, you know, I know for me that was something that was really challenging. And so like, you know, what have what what has been the biggest download you've gotten regarding communication um over the last let's say year, especially as our communication with one another has been challenged um through the pandemic and through everything going on right now. Biggest thing around communication. Um abracadabra with my word i create (laughs) (laughs) dude that is awesome man um you know that was the perfect answer because really it's like yeah it doesn't have to be some intricate thing it literally is like every word you say is creating something in your reality and you know one of my favorite quotes which paul says all the time it's not his quote i don't think but uh he says it all the time which is like if you don't like what's showing up in your reality Look at what you're choosing unconsciously. And a lot of times the ways we choose unconsciously are with our words, you know? And so I think that's very interesting. Yeah. And, you know, something I'm curious about too is, you know, I know you're in the, uh, you know, the Onnit Circle and, you know, Aubrey's a big, you know, figurehead for personal development for men. And, you know, something that has happened to me this year um, is getting to share space with a lot of people that I idolize, right? That like I've looked up to for years, right? And uh, in doing so, um, I've learned some very valuable lessons from them. And one of the most valuable lessons I've learned is like, you know, uh, Matt said it perfectly, the one of that retreat. And he said, like, I met my hero and he told me to be my own hero. And so, um, you know, getting to share space or having shared space with so many of these influential people What's some things you picked up from them, you know, because I imagine like I've discovered like they're just normal guys or girls, you know. (laughs) And so like what are some of the things that you could share with the audience who, um, you know, I imagine for many people listening, they're looking up to these people as gurus, right? And uh, and they're putting them on some type of pedestal, right? Even though these people a lot of times don't ask for that. It just happens. You know, you look up to someone. Um, what are some things you could say or speak to in regards to what these people are like in person and what the, maybe they've taught you? You know, just anyone you've met, not any in particular people. Uh, I mean, everyone has their own struggles and things are going through. Uh, no one's perfect and we're all just living the best lives we can. And uh, I mean... Some people just naturally have. I've learned a lot from, I mean, from like Tim Gray's amazing person that we share similar things. And yeah, he's can be a completely person that stresses out over things. And, but he's been amazing. I mean, Kyle Kingsbury took time and sat me down when I was like going uh, just frantic and thinking what the heck am i doing here and was just telling me some things i mean mark helped me out i mean a personal kind of milestone for me was last friday of helping mike bledsoe out with doing some videos for strong coach like 
four or five years ago when I was listening to Barbell Shrug and had no idea that I'd ever even meet him in person, let alone me helping him was amazing. I was like, wow, sometimes I feel like I'm not advancing at all. And yet here I am doing something that I never even dreamed of. Like my life is so drastically different than it was even just like a year ago that I, it's hard to do like goal setting of what my life might look like from one to five years because it's been so amazing. Like, yeah, I've gotten to meet tons of people that are amazing of like getting introduced to Dave Asprey and him talking about how he had like gut biome issues and how that was creating so much brain fog in his life. And he used to have a stutter. And when he fixed that, a lot of his stutter went away mm. because I used to stutter some. And uh, then there's uh, like, Aubrey helped create a network that I helped tap into and meet everyone, but I've never been that close to Aubrey and stuff. And he's kind of an introverted person a little bit too. Hmm. There's things like, yeah, just hang out with him. And a lot of them are amazing people that are just want, want to be normal and not want to be treated special. And so <laughs> most of the people I mean, there are some divas and there a lot of the people aren't divas. And like the most, uh, like I was talking about like Dave Rabin before, I looked up to him for like his clinical trials. He's done things. And uh, when he was talking to me, he made it seem like I was the only person there at the conference. Mm. And so he was really invested in who I was and what my story was. And he had no idea really who I was at that time. He just was interested in me. And yeah. so, yeah. That's really cool, man. And, you know, I think what you just beautifully said there was that the people that really matter, first of all, will make themselves available to you, right? The people that are really dedicated, I should say, the people that are really dedicated to helping the world be a better place are going to make themselves available, right? And they're going to, they're going to treat you like a normal person and they're going to want to be treated like a normal person. And at the end of the day, I feel most of the people that I've met and have just played out as regular you know, uh, males or females, um, they're really centered on community, you know, and this is a subject I am really excited to talk to you about because of the circles we both frequent and the importance of community. And, you know, community is a subject I have really doubled down on this year in tuning back into a lot of the principles and traditions from tribal societies. Knowing that you've been on the same path for quite some time, I'd love to hear what you've learned about the value of community and attending the men's retreats and the meetups we've been a part of and what having such a supportive community and tribe has done for you. Well, the Colorado retreat, it seemed like we all thought at one time that we were lone wolves that couldn't rely on anyone. And Mm. a lot of the time when you're with your tribe and stuff, you realize how they've gone through such similar things as you and you can relate to each other so much and learn from each other. And you might not have approached things the same way, but you have similar mindset. So you can take a piece from this person, a piece from this person and put them into practice for yourself. And it's knowing that you can actually rely on people now that you don't have to do things all alone because you're not going to create an empire all by yourself. It takes a team. It takes a tribe to make, the most influential things and stuff. I mean, you can make something amazing, but it might take you like 10 years. Whereas if you actually like 
sought-out help and other people that were like-minded and with a vision, you can get it done in like a year instead mm-hmm. of taking 10 years and then and not being exactly what you want and morphing into something completely different and stuff. Yeah. And also working with a community and tribe, it can be so much more than you ever thought was imaginable. I mean, you have one thing uh, you might, I mean, I've had the problem of thinking small a lot and <clears throat> especially coming from a rural place all i really knew was how to think kind of small i didn't i wasn't really around visionary people that thought really big and had these big overarching uh, like things that they wanted to create and i take things step by step and then there's people that think really big and it's finding all the people in between too and how you work so closely together and can bounce i thought i ideas off of each other and stuff. Mm. I mean, uh, working with my friend Dasha Maximoff, uh, that was like a game changer for me of realizing that working with a person doesn't have to be a struggle at all, that you can really be in flow and have such a connection to a person and be able to work so seamlessly with them. And so, yeah, it's getting to meet more people like you that are like-minded and get to connect and then you get to go all over the place with them and i mean it's really invaluable because we're all seeking connection we're all seeking community without it your health will deteriorate i mean you look at the blue zones one of the biggest factors is community and family and stuff and mm-hmm. yeah they're like uh, they can set a place set at the dinner table for anybody that wants to come in and have dinner with them and stuff. It's all about these connections that lead to new things and broadening your horizons. And so that's the most important thing. And my uh, thought of that. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's man. You said it perfectly, you know, and it's so true that like that, that story of like, oh, working with people has to be challenging is just that it's a story, right? And I think what I realized or take out the think what I've realized is that that's actually a great clue. Like when it's hard to work with people, that's a great clue that maybe you two shouldn't be working together, right? Like maybe you two have other people that could help both of you better uh, and more efficiently and more effectively. And so like, you know, it's just it's it's so interesting. You mentioned the blue zones as well. And, you know, uh, one of the things I've noticed is that, you know, in my own life, true fulfillment is pretty easy, like, or, sorry, pretty simple. But because it's simple does not mean it's easy because, you know, as humans, we've uh, we've overcomplicated things, you know, uh, we've structured everything to death, you know, and it was when I went to Mexico, um, you know, of course, the retreat in um, Colorado was like a first like uh, appetizer of like, whoa, this feels really good. And then going to Mexico and just seeing the culture difference of how like they just love being with each other, like as long as like um, as long as they have each other, everything's good, like like. You know, uh, no one's ever going to go without, um, you know, everyone's going to have food to eat. Everyone's going to have laughs to share. Um, and it just it really hit me like, wow, man, life is simple and and not easy, you know. Um, and that's a that's a funny distinction I've made. And uh, Clay, my man, this has been such fu- so much fun getting to chat with you one on one, share your journey with the listeners. Where can people go to learn more about you, connect with you and work with you? I'm in Austin and uh, clayconceptions.com is my website 
Clay Conceptions on Instagram, Clay and Miller on Facebook. And yeah. That's awesome, man. And guys, for everyone listening, uh, Clayton's pictures are no joke, the best pictures I've ever had taken of me. Rachel and I, I'll share this with you real quick. Rachel and I were looking at the pictures last night and Rachel's like, holy shit. Like Clay is so good at taking pictures. I'm like, I know literally like I, it's ridiculous. (laughs) Like, uh, just the angles you get are just like when you come to a retreat, I know I don't have to touch my phone once like like uh my mom and you know other people like get pictures i'm like you'll get pictures but it won't be from me you know i'm just gonna wait till clay puts his album out and then <laughs> it'll be a million times better than anything i could capture with my phone so thank you uh from the bottom of my heart for being able to uh allow me to feel secure and just seriously leaving my phone as a paperweight for those seven or eight days that we go on retreats uh, and knowing that all the most magical and beautiful moments will get captured. Um, and guys, for, for those listening, uh, that's just one of the amazing things Clay does. Uh, he does a lot of really cool shit. Um, so my last question for you, Clay, is if someone listening could only make one change to highly optimize their life, what would Clayton Miller suggest that change be? The mindset around language and putting yourself first and being much more positive with yourself and not putting yourself down because a lot of times when we uh, like think about how we talk about ourselves in our mind, we never talk to another person that way and yet we put ourselves down so much all the time. So having a much more positive mindset in general and not stressing about all the small things. I love that, man. And, you know, seriously, I really think that especially with what's going on, what we're seeing with mental health and such, um, there's really no better uh, starting point than focusing on giving yourself love and showing yourself love. And it all starts by making the conscious decision to do so. You know, I know for a lot of people that aren't involved in this work, like what, I just decided to do it. It's like, yeah, because abracadabra (laughs) with my word, I create, right? So, you know, once again, if you don't like what's showing up in your reality, Look at what you're choosing unconsciously. Clayton, dude, thank you so much for saying yes to come on the show and share your journey and experiences with the guest and me. Guys, Clayton is an absolute force to be reckoned with in the space of health and wellness and is on the cutting edge of so many different health-related modalities. Considering the state of the world right now, it's more important than ever to remain healthy and informed on all the latest info regarding our health. Speaking of health, One of my main goals with this show and business is to take the discussion of our physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health to the mainstream. And by you sharing this show and leaving a review on iTunes, you are helping me greatly in accomplishing that goal. In conclusion, guys, for all the latest tips and tricks on how to create and manage adding the correct biohack modalities to your life, not to mention any photography needs you may have, as I mentioned, Make sure to reach out to Clay. As I know from firsthand experience, he truly is a jack of all trades. Clay, thank you again for stopping by to hang out with us. And until next time, my friend, journey well, be well. Much love to you. Namaste, brother. What is up, everybody? I hope you are all enjoying the show, and I wanted to stop by real quick and share a little bit about our latest podcast sponsor, Freedom Builders. Now, Freedom Builders are a team of graphic designers, website creators, videographers, 
social media marketing experts, and coaches that build out your custom online business from A to Z. This is a done-for-you service, which means they do the work for you while you get to put your focus back on what you love most, which is coaching your clients and bringing in sales. Now, as a former online fitness coach, Mike knows where your struggle points are and exactly how to help you overcome them. This is why he created Freedom Builders, so that you can scale your business while protecting your time and your energy. Now, you guys know that delegation is a business superpower, and you can activate this superpower today by scheduling a complimentary call with Mike at freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, dot com, so you can start building the freedom that allows you to take your business to the next level. Alex and I recently connected with Freedom Builders for our Connect with Cannabis build-out, and we could not have been happier with the results. With Mike and his team, they were able to go through an outline and create a personalized program for our experience, develop our brand identity, build and design a custom branded webpage, professionally edit our program video content, custom design all of our slide presentations, automate our email marketing sequences, create a seamless payment system for our offer, design unique infographics for our social media content, and guide us through our proven launch blueprint to generate organic leads through our social media. So if you're a coach, facilitator, or healer listening to this ad right now, and you are looking to put freedom back into your life, once again, go to freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, dot com, and book your complimentary call today. I hope you all enjoy the rest of the show, and I'm wishing you the best day ever.